0: Welcome to Choosing Hope, Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. My name is Munira Premji, and I am the host of this podcast. The vision of this podcast is to connect you with ordinary, everyday people from around the world people who are making a difference, people who are contributing to their communities and the world in small and big ways through their ideas, their imagination, their challenges, their purpose. And their passion. Our guest today is Lori Marini, cancer warrior, life and wellness coach, pathologist, assistant, reiki practitioner, dog mom, lover of music, beach, and palm trees. As a breast cancer warrior, Lori knows firsthand what it takes to go beyond fear and find the courage to live the life you want on your own terms. And as an accredited coach, Lori works to help women during their healing journey after a life crisis. Lori has a master's in health sciences. She has worked in the hospital system as a pathologist assistant and as a tumor expert. She also hosts a podcast called Conversations with Courageous Cancer Warriors. Welcome to the podcast, Lori. I'm really, really looking forward to having a conversation with you about your experiences and your insights. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So Lori, let's take it right from the beginning. Can you just walk us through your cancer journey?
1: So my cancer journey really begins with being a pathologist assistant. So as a PA, I'm the person who In between patients getting surgery and the pathologist rendering their diagnosis, I receive patient samples and I'm the person that processes them, right? So sometimes the pathologist won't see anything but the slides and they're looking to me to support the patient's diagnosis. And it's my passion. I've absolutely loved it. And, you know, I've studied tumors for 20 years for this reason. And I had an opportunity to open up a genomic center, a precision medicine center in Boston. And, you know, I had lived in Boston before. It wasn't something I was really interested in doing, but I was like, you know what, the job came back to me three times over. And it was one of those things that I believe the universe puts you where you need to be. So I had a conversation with the universe and I said, you know what, I don't know why you keep sending me back to Boston, but I'm going to go. So I was there a little bit over a year and I had gone to my primary care physician when I turned 41. It was my second time seeing her. And I went in there apologizing, being like, I am so sorry. I know last year you told me to go for my breast mammogram, my baseline. And I'm like, I didn't make it, but I promise you I'm going to go this year. And she turns to me, she's like, Lori, don't worry about it. They just changed the guidelines to 45. You know, you just bought yourself four more years. And I was kind of like, oh, well, that's cool. And then at the same time, I'm like, I don't know how comfortable I feel about that.
0: That was the universe talking to you again.
1: Right. So, you know, she did my self-exam. She didn't feel anything. And she just sent me on my way. And I woke up two weeks later from a dream where I was riddled with cancer. In my dream. So I woke up, I was startled. I called my bestie and I was like, You have to hold me to account. Like, I have to go for this mammogram. And I don't know why, in hindsight, in that moment, the mammogram is what I thought I needed to get done, right? It could have been anything. Mm -hmm. But that's where I was guided. And I ended up calling to make an appointment. They had an appointment the very next day which never happens. And I went there, I went for my baseline screening, and they called me back. And at first, I didn't think anything of it. And, you know, because I knew I had fibrous breast tissue, like I was like, no big deal. But it wasn't until they were on image 65 of doing an ultrasound after repeating my mammogram, where they were measuring my lymph nodes. And so I've been in this field for a long time. And I've used these images, I was like, I have a problem. There's something here. So, long story short, I had four lesions on my left side on my baseline with no family history. I was in the best shape of my life. And I did a self exam monthly. My primary care physician did my self exam two weeks before, and we didn't feel anything. So, here I now am in a new job, newly diagnosed with cancer. And my first phone call is to my new boss. And I said, we have a problem. And he's like, Lord, it might be nothing. I'm like, no, like they're measuring my nodes. Like we have a problem. And it just so happened, my boss is a world renowned breast oncologist. (laughs) So he literally took the, I was so taken care of and I'm will be forever, you know, just, I'm just forever grateful that he just set me up and had me go and, you know, he set me up with my surgeons, my oncologists, everything. And I was just within two weeks, I was in surgery. So it was, that was the easy part. Going through the surgery, going through the, you know, the recovery. It was when I got back to work and mind you, I worked with metastatic cancer patients. I was there to support them. So for me to go and be alongside them, while they're going through their journey and they've been, you know, some of them have been battling it for years, you know, here I am freshly, you know, fresh scars. And I'm just like, I really struggled. I really, really struggled with trying to heal myself as I'm trying to support others. And I had a really hard time to the point that I found myself like crying in the elevator, Mm -hmm. you know, in between patients because, and so you know, I put my life in motion. It's one of those things that it was a defining moment for me where I'm like, I can't live like this right now. Mm-hmm. I need to do something different. Yeah. So while well, I created a new position using my education with a biotech company where I was able to be removed out of the hospital for a while. And it was a really tough decision for me to make because I loved what I did. Like I love to be of service. And But before all of that, I'm so sorry, I'm like getting ahead of myself. And I found myself as I was going through my healing journey, even though it was kind of easy for me, because I knew what I was in for. I also knew too much. Like I knew what the worst case scenario could be. I've seen it firsthand. I've seen the devastation. So like, I was telling my surgeons, like, no, this is what I want done. Like, I'm getting a double mastectomy, right? Like, and they're like, you're being too aggressive. I'm like, no, this is what I'm doing. I've always said, if I was in this position, this is how it's gonna happen. And so I really stayed true to my guns and it just so happened that my biopsies required that that's what I needed. And so, you know, I had four malignant lesions on my left side with also a condition known as DCIS. DCIS is bilateral and it's a precancerous state. So if you haven't switched over to malignancy, then they usually monitor you. But the standard of care is if you have converted over and any cells have become malignant, then you get both breasts removed, right? Some patients choose not to do that. That's what I knew would be the best course of treatment for me. So that's what I did. And, you know, as I was going through this process, I was blessed that I was getting treated where I worked. So I knew where the cafeteria was. I knew where to park. I knew where my doctor's office was, like all those little stressors I didn't have because I knew the environment I was walking into. I also knew the medical terminology. However, I still found myself to be completely Overwhelmed.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, I have so many questions to ask. <laughs> what you said. So um, the first is, you know, being a, a tumor expert, being a pathologist assistant. On the one hand, was a real blessing mm-hmm. because you knew how to advocate and you had worked with patients, and so you knew what you needed for yourself. And yet, on the other hand, w- was traumatic because you knew too much.
1: Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse for sure. A blessing in the fact that nothing was a surprise to me as far as what I was going to be experiencing, right? I knew what the surgeries were going to look like. I knew the possibility of chemo, radiation. I knew that that was not a surprise to me. Um, the, The fact of seeing firsthand really what happens if, you know, I say it all the time, you have one shot in getting it right. You have one shot in in getting in starting yourself off on the right foot with your cancer journey. You know, a lot of people choose to go not as aggressive as I did and I'm not saying that they're wrong, but for me, I was like, I don't want to have to come back and do any more surgeries. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to have a positive margin that they didn't see you know, I just didn't want I, to deal with it. It was absolutely the right decision for you. And yeah. I just wanted to share with you that I so
0: resonate with what you're saying. I didn't have to go through the, the aggressive treatment that you did for my breast cancer. But like you, I went to my doctors and I said, there's, there's a lump I feel. And mm-hmm. my doctors couldn't feel that lump and said, but you just had a mammogram a few months ago. Maybe we should watch and wait. And I said, no, I've been feeling this lump for two weeks. And uh, I think we need to to do more. And to his credit, he says, you know, you obviously know your body really well. Let's get you doing another mammogram, like literally within three months of the last one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, you know, that mammogram came back inconclusive. And then I had another mammogram and then an ultrasound. And literally all of this happened and the surgery happened all within one month because I advocated. I 100% 100 said, Mm -hmm. no, there's something that doesn't feel right. And when you say that you have one shot at getting it right, you know, that's what came up for me, which is where I... I knew that there was something going on and it needed to be resolved. And the truth is when they removed my lymph nodes, all 16 lymph nodes came out cancerous. So if we had waited, there is no question in my mind. And you know, Lori, from your background, that that's not a good place to be. So I think the universe has really been protecting you and has been protecting me.
1: Yeah, I'm clear, like to to what you're saying, I'm clear that if I waited the five years, right? I'm I'm three years out. So I still would have yet to have gone for my baseline screening. Actually, I just would have went because I just turned 45. I'm clear 1000% that if I didn't advocate for myself at that time, you and I would probably not be having this conversation right now with how advanced my tumors were.
0: Wow, I just had a chill I just want to chill, go go through my body. (laughs) I want to continue this conversation because there's so much richness in what you have to say. So you have indicated that uh, uh, stress was a a major factor in your illness. You
1: believe that strongly. Can you elaborate on that? Absolutely. So I have done genetic testing and I'm not a carrier. I have no family history of breast cancer. Again, I eat holistically, you know, I, I, I do all the things environmentally I'm supposed to do, right? And I have no genetic factors either that would make me be at a higher risk. And the, the one thing that I know for certain for me was stress. My job was a really fast paced, lots of stress, lots of pressure position that I've I held for a really long time and even though I thought I was managing it you know through exercise and and everything that I was supposed to be doing you know I jokingly have named <laughs> named each tumor that I had because I you know there there's life defining moments that happened that would definitely have created this within my body right I, I you know they say that a stressor in your life, a major stressor in your life will be represented seven to 10 years later down the road, potentially by a malignancy, right? So there's that, if you show up with the tumor today, then look back seven to 10 years ago and see what was happening in your life. And so for me, fascinating. Yeah. So it's, it's that, it's that high stress, it's that stressor to your body. Like it's something that You may not see it today, but it's and that's why it's so important to manage emotions, manage the stress, like manage your diet, like do all the wellness things you know you need to do now for your future. And everybody says that, but it was that example for me because to the day, ironically enough, outside of me having a really very demanding job, you know, I got diagnosed in 2017 and in 2010, I went through a very stressful divorce, right? Like, and then I could go back and see the timelines of, you know, so I had a, a a really large mass greater than two centimeters. And then I had, you know, three smaller ones. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, so that was my divorce. And then this one was this, <laughs> and then this one was that, right? <laughs> like, and I joke about it, but it, it's really, you know, I really believe that they were a, a factor in, in my cell's turning over. Wow.
0: And you named them all. I, I, I did. I, that's really, <laughs> quite cool. I mean, it's cute and, and yet it makes it so real. And, you know, for our listeners today, you know, we live in such a high stress, high demanding world, you know, where everything is immediate and the expectations are so high. Mm-hmm. One of the messages that I'm always uh, Promoting is self-care. Yeah, And that's definitely. what you're saying.
1: Yeah, and and I believe that you, like for me, I needed to be hit over the head with something like cancer in order for me to take that seriously, mm-hmm. right? Like I am, I'm a giver. I will always extend out to everybody else, sometimes to my own, well, it used to be a lot of times to my own detriment where I wouldn't put myself first. You know, I even saw it during my treatment you know, here I am, I'm trying to heal and I'm worrying about everybody else around me. And it was that moment where I was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? I need to stop. And it's it's really what allowed me to be like, to get, truly get that taking care of me is not selfish. Saying no, setting boundaries is not selfish at all. It's actually... You need to do it for your life. You need to do it for your survival. There's only so much that you can extend yourself before you're a detriment to yourself. Mm -hmm. You cannot pour from an empty cup. One hundred percent. And I tried for so many years. And and this is how I ended up. And I needed, sometimes you need a really big traumatizing event in your life in order for you to stop the behavior. And Mm. I really feel that that's what happened.
0: Mm. I want to explore something else with you Lori and that yeah. is when you were diagnosed with cancer you made the choice not to share the diagnosis with uh, with friends and you kept it very private.
1: Mm-hmm. I did. I did. I as the person in my circle that when someone has a problem I'm always the person that they come to, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm the one that talks everybody else off the ledge. And I'm the one that's always has to be the strong one, right? It goes to that whole self-care thing. So when I was the one that needed the support, I didn't know how to receive it. But I also was so overwhelmed that I couldn't be with other people's emotions on it, right? Because ah. I, I found myself having to be strong for them. And I, I was struggling with being strong for me right? Because I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I didn't know how, what my journey would look like. And I had so much, even though I knew too much, I was so concerned. And so I limited who I told. I told a very close, intimate circle of people. And I sometimes out of necessity, I would tell a person that outside of that group. And I tried it on a f- few occasions and one occasion and it reaffirmed why I wasn't telling people. Because sometimes people don't know what to say and they don't know how to handle it. And they say something that can be really hurtful. Mm. Like, oh, at least you're going to get a really great boob job out of this. Like, oh, Lori, you know why this is happening to you, right? It's because you've never had children. Or, oh, Lori, you know, like, you... you." You know, whatever it is, whatever it looks like. And it was really difficult for me to handle. Mm, I I've, couldn't, uh, I couldn't emotionally handle it.
0: Yeah. I, I feel, I feel your pain. I, <laughs> absolutely. I've written a book about my journey with cancer. It's called Choosing Hope, One Woman, Mm -hmm. Three Cancers. And one chapter in my book is the top 10 things people tell you when they hear you've got cancer. Right. And it's exactly the kinds of stuff that that you've mentioned. And, you know, they mean well. They mean well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this actually may be a really good time to ask you, what would have been helpful for people to have said to you?
1: Yeah, so... And, and you're absolutely right. They mean well, and I don't have any hard feelings towards it, but like, I will definitely, I will answer your question in a second, but I will definitely tell you that the t-shirt that someone bought me that says my breast, my boobs try to kill me. I don't know where that is, <laughs> right? Like that one disappeared, but I think it would have been like, how can I support you? It must be a really difficult thing to go through. I don't know what you're going through. And i I have no idea how you're feeling, but is there something that I can do? Like creating a safe space for somebody to just be like, I'm scared. I'm worried. I'm whatever your emotion is that you're feeling. Like I'm angry, right? Like we go through such a variety of emotions through the process that I feel that because people don't understand that at that moment that you get told you have cancer, you have just faced your mortality, your innocence of what your previous life was is like gone, right? Like your, your life is no longer the same. You can never go back. And the, the innocence of just like being free and, and carefree is gone. So I think it's one of those things of, I really have loved for people to just acknowledge that. Acknowledge mm-hmm. that like, this is really some serious stuff. I bet you're really afraid. Like, what can we do together? Like and kids. if I can
0: add to what you're saying, I, th- I think just, empathy. just yeah. empathy, you know, you don't need to be the problem solver because I don't right. think that's what we're looking for in that moment. We just want somebody to hold us, even if it is to say, I don't know what to say. I don't yeah. know what to say. And I want you to know that I'm here for you. That That's all the validation that uh, I would have really appreciated and the empathy, because, you know, so often people would say, just call me, you know, I'm here 24 seven. Well, I will not call you. Yeah. right. And sometimes what really helped me was sort of the practical stuff where somebody would come and drop off a carrot cake or yeah. somebody would, would come and say, hey, do you want to go grocery shopping? I can take you. Yeah. Or are you up for a visit this Saturday? You know, those are the things that really helped. Yeah. But just that safe space that you talked about.
1: Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Like, it's one of those things that people are like, hey, call me if you need me. And it's like, I'm not going to call you. Right. And so when I I speak to other people who are struggling with their loved one having or a friend, you know, whoever it is in their life going through this, I tell them, be specific. Be like, hey, I'm going to come over and do your laundry. Or I'm going to come over and bring you groceries. Is there something specific that you would like? Or, you know, I thought maybe we could go to the movies. Was that, would that be something that you would like to do when we were able to, to do that? Right. But give them specific. Don't just say like, if you need anything, call me. We're not going to call you. <laughs> and knowing everything,
0: everything that you just said just landed, so landed so beautifully with me. Because that's exactly the, the the stuff that I found helpful going through my journey as well. Yeah. So you indicated earlier in the conversation that while you were going through the cancer treatment, did you
1: say that you took on a different role, a different job? I did because I the environment for me was not. A healing environment. And and I know that sounds crazy, but it was something that for me, especially being a high vibrational person, like somebody who is so empathetic, I couldn't be in that space and then heal myself. Because like I said, I, I feel other people's pain. Like, so I knew I had to make a change. I knew going to work every day being, you know, crying in the elevator, being stressed did not work for me. But also it was problematic because of I still had physical limitations, right? I still couldn't open doors. I still had, I still needed some support. So I, you know, I believe that you, you invent your life. You can really create a life that you love. And that's what I support my clients with is like, think outside the box. So I've done that for myself repeatedly successfully. And this is one of the examples where I created a position for myself, in a company who didn't even know about me and where I was able to use my education but still support their mission but not have to be in the daily grind of a hospital every day.
0: That talks to your creativity, (laughs) how sassy you are, how bold. (laughs) (laughs) But let's, let's back up a little bit because I know that you didn't go from getting the cancer diagnosis to starting a new position. And so walk me through the, the change curves that you went through because likely you went through denial. Here you are doing everything right and then you find out that you have this drastic cancer. So walk me through the, the roller coaster that you went through until you came to this point where you felt that you were able to look at possibilities.
1: So I think one of the things that really supported me in keeping solid footing is what how I'll describe it, is the fact that I had done a lot of personal development prior to getting diagnosed. Mm. And so I really leaned on that. I really leaned on, you know what, this doesn't mean anything about you. This doesn't, you know, this doesn't mean like don't create a future that you don't want to live into. Like don't make it mean anything. Like take it for what it is, face value, and just handle it. And I don't know if that resonates with your listeners. I hope it does. But it's one of those things that like we make so many stories and we make things mean so much. And we like blame ourselves so much. And we we go down this self-deprecating road when we are faced with adversity that I really when I found myself saying that, oh, maybe you shouldn't have been a drinker. Oh, maybe you shouldn't have lived in a city. Oh, maybe you should have found a less stressful job. Like anytime those thoughts came to mind, I knew how to handle them. Mm-hmm. Like I knew, like, it's not, it's not the truth. You did what you did. You can't blame yourself for it. You did the best you could, but now you have to deal with where you are. So So, medically accepting
0: where you are because you can't change the diagnosis. You can't,
1: you can't change it. And so, you know, I had my moments of fear. Of course we all do. You know, I can really tell you that I I cried once. I allowed myself the pity party once where I just sat there and I just bawled my eyes out. And then I I strapped my boots back on and I'm like, okay, like, how are we going to do this? And I truly believe in You know, there's a warrior mindset, which is why I call my tribe, my cancer warriors versus a survivor mindset Mm -hmm. the distinction for me is as a survivor, you are at the impact of what's happening to you. You are going with the wind. You are kind of like, you're at the effect of it all, like the emotional part, the physical part, all of that. But as a warrior, it's, it's one of those things that you prepare yourself for battle. You prepare yourself to go. And be the best version of yourself, and give it the best shot, and and the, you know, your the most forcefulness you possibly can to succeeding, to prevailing, and that's where I choose to live. So when I found myself not living there, I always would put myself back there.
0: I uh, love the distinction. I'd never really thought about it in in that way: cancer survivor versus. Cancer warrior. That's that's a brilliant distinction. I wanted to ask you, were there times and are there times still today where you go back and perhaps mourn the the life you might have had where you go through a period of sadness, the losses?
1: So that's such a great question because as you're going through your treatments and you're going through your healing and you go through all your doctor's appointments and you go through that, you're just going through the motions and it's kind of like a robotic way right? Like, you know, you need to go on Thursday and then you need to go back on Tuesday and then you need to do all this stuff. And you have resources, you have your oncologists, you have your surgeons, you have, you know, your social worker, your therapist, they're all there to support you. And I hope people are using them because it's really, really empowering to have that support. But then when you're done, if you're not going out and seeking these people again, they're gone and you're left on your own. So for me, my My struggle wasn't necessarily, yeah, I had the physical pain and the physical struggles, and I still have some now. But really, my trial was, like you said, mourning what I had just gone through. And that period started really six months after, a year after, and went about three years after Mm -hmm. my diagnosis. Like I had a long curve of just, I needed to just keep pushing through the emotions and just dealing with them and, and not pushing them down. So I went through body confidence issues. I went through, you know, self-confidence issues. Mm -hmm. I went through the emotions of my relationships. Like I reassessed all of my relationships in my life. And if they were serving to me, was my behavior serving to me, was my environment serving to me. And that all came through, my emotional journey of healing.
0: You know, I really appreciate your your vulnerability in describing that because uh, I believe very much like you, Lori, that you need to go through the process. You know, there is no shortcut. Yeah. You have to go through the process. And I find that when I don't go through the process, then it comes and bites me in the butt. Always does. <laughs> absolutely need to process it in order to get to that place of acceptance. And what I have found is it's only for me when I got to acceptance that there was space for change.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's what I'm hearing from you as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I hope it's okay that I, you know, paint this picture. I, I hope your listeners will be okay with it. But I'm a defining moment for me where I finally felt normal again right? Because I didn't feel normal. I had these scars all over my body. I had all this pain. I had this limitation where I can't even open up a bottle of water, right? Like it's just, I never had a period of my life where I couldn't have been self-sufficient. So that was also part of it too. But when I would look at myself in the mirror and I would see my scars and I would be like, you know, that really happened, right? It's always a constant reminder. I would always keep myself covered. I would always, I struggled really hard up until the point where I went and I got my nipple tattoos. Mm-hmm. I know this sounds really weird. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm saying. I hope your listeners don't mind. But for me, that even though they're not real, they give me some sense of normalcy with how my body looked. Right. right? So, so please just know that there are tattoo artists near you. You don't need to spend a fortune, but there are tattoo artists that dedicate their time to supporting those of us who have gone through the struggle. And they, you know, for me, I went through the Golden Yeti Art Collective in Franklin, Tennessee, because I was living in Nashville at the time. And this just amazing, generous soul, every Saturday he schedules appointments for people to come in and get nipple tattoos done. And it's free of charge. He won't even let you leave him a tip, right? So I, I sent him a, a basket of goodies, you know, because I'm like, I can't even repay you. There's no amount for me to repay you what you've given me, but I knew that he was gluten free. So I'm like, I could at least give you that. Right. (laughs) But it was, it wasn't until that happened to me that I was able to start being like, okay, this is my body now and starting to accept who I am now and, and what I look like and how it goes.
0: You know, through my cancer journey as well, the generosity of people that oh. I have met is so remarkable. And it just gives you hope.
1: Yeah. I think humanity.
0: So. Yeah. And I think and I, and I know that you're getting really emotional as I am. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and the truth is, I think, you know, we both find ways to pay it forward because, what it meant for us in that moment was absolutely priceless. And Laurie, I I have to share with you that one of the things that I lost through my battles with cancer were my eyebrows. And I had no idea how your eyebrows really shape your face. And, you know, I could I could deal with uh, with having no hair and I lost my hair. I don't know, five, six times through you know the different treatments. And I could, I could live with that, but it was not having the eyebrows where I felt like a freak. And it yeah. wasn't until I had a friend tattoo the yeah. eyebrows for me that I had that same sense of relief that you described. So I totally get what you're saying. And It's so weird as, as we're talking, you know, I feel like I'm seeing myself in a mirror.
1: Yeah. You know, we've, yeah. got, we've got some identical experiences and i've also gone for microblading and it's absolutely fantastic i wish i would have done it sooner so i can understand you with the eyebrows it's so it's so true but we all have our version of that right we all have our version of something that we don't like and it wasn't our choice right like getting cancer wasn't our choice getting the scars that come from it wasn't our choice going through the treatments weren't our choice and they they caused such havoc on our being but it's like, then you just got to let that go, let that anger go and just be like, this is where I am. And, and this how, is what it is. And how can I be the best human now? Let's
0: talk a little bit about your coaching practice. So I know yeah. that your niche are women who have gone through trauma and health challenges. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So like I said, this process for me was really overwhelming. and it gave me the realization of like okay so i you know i i'm i'm knowledgeable in this field and i feel this way so if i feel this way like how is anybody else getting through this so for me, it really is what propelled me forward to becoming a coach you know to getting certified as a coach and and to really be of service for people who are struggling through crisis And for me, it's one of those things that our health crisis are the same as our emotional crisis, right? Like I'm not there to tell people what treatments they should have. I actually work with people, you know, clients post-treatment is when like, okay, you're done. And now what, what do you want your life to look like? What do you want to create for yourself? I believe that we can create our lives. We can design them, you know, and that's what I support them with. Like having the courage. Someone asked me the other day, like, what do you live by? And my tagline is live courageously. Like, get out there, do it. There's no other time than now. And that's what I support people with. So I have one-on-one coaching. I have group coaching. I have some courses. So like my latest course is a virtual vision board where people can go and they they could create their life. And then I also... You know, include sessions with me on that, but also, I have that podcast that podcast where people come and they just share their stories and you know my my intention, my daily intention is if if I can help one soul a day, then I've done what I've been set out to do right like i've I've reached my purpose purpose yes, thank you i've done I've done my purpose for the day, so I've been blessed to have a lot of opportunities too where You know, I have a book coming out and it's called Women Who Boss Up. And I've been able to have, be part of this amazing group of 16 women who have all overcome adversity and done it to, in a way that they have left feeling empowered.
0: Mm -hmm. And so
1: that's coming out. But as far as clients go, I guess the best example that I could tell someone is, you know, I have people who come to me and it's like, why bother? Why bother making plans? Why bother even getting excited about anything? Because I might get cancer again tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it's one of those things- in the back of your mind, isn't it? Right, it's always there. I, it's always there for me too, but it's like, you know what? I choose not to live that way and I work with people and like, don't live that way. Let's look beyond that because you might get hit by a truck tomorrow. Right. Right? Like we don't know what our futures are. So why don't you live for right now?
0: One of the things I find with my clients is uh, when they've been through a trauma, oftentimes they're so focused on just surviving and just making it through yeah, that yeah. They, they, they forget their values and they mm-hmm. forget their purpose. And uh, it's really great to hear that that's what it is that you bring back in the lives of your clients, yeah. which is what is possible for you.
1: Yeah. Thank and how you. do that- they get you there? That's a great way to frame it. I absolutely love that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the other thing too, is give yourself grace, right? Like just get that you've gone through some trauma. You may not have been the best person that you wanted to be while you're going through it. Or right now you might be feeling a certain way that you're kind of like, oh, I'm not really proud of myself, but, or you may not want to get off the couch today and just Mm -hmm. have it, have it be okay. Like it's fine. Mm -hmm. I think of it
0: as be, be kind to yourself be kind because you deserve it, you know? Yeah. We are always so hard on ourselves and that's a great, great thing. Give yourself grace. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the virus, you know, Mm. COVID-19 has, there's been an upheaval in our, in our lives in a big way. And in some ways you and I both know that it's, no different than what a person has to live through after a diagnosis.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want
0: to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. Thank you for asking that, especially now with the fact that I read this morning that, you know, there's talk about shutting the country down again, that numbers are going up and, you know, it it causes a lot of stress for people. It causes a lot of concern for people. So the virus for me is just like having a malignancy. It's one of those things where, the steps you need to take in order to be preventative with being at the effect of the virus is just like when you're going through chemotherapy and you're immunocompromised, right? Like you wear a mask, you wash your hands, you stay away from people that are questionable, right? Like look at people's behaviors. You know, that's the first thing that I do when I walk in a room is I'm assessing how people are behaving. Do do I feel comfortable enough going near them or don't I? And- you know, COVID has, has created this like a panic, but it's just like when with going through a cancer diagnosis, right? Like you, you have to be mentally prepared. You have to put yourself in a position to win, put yourself in a position where you've done the best you can. You've taken all the precautions. You are smart about it. You know, like you don't have visitors in your house. If you think that they've, traveled the world recently, right? Like you don't do that. You you're smart about it. But it also doesn't mean that you close yourself off. You need community. You need people around you. So even if that's doing that through technology, you know, having, you know, happy hour FaceTimes, I like to call them with or without the alcohol, right? Like get involved and just remember to support those around you. Right. There's so many people that cannot support themselves that if you have the opportunity to be kind to someone else, then, then do it. Like, I, I think that that's what's been most difficult for me is just seeing so many people so stressed out that they just are forgetting the common decency. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, uh, I was literally at the grocery store the other day and I was going and I was grabbing (laughs) my, my almond, uh, actually my coconut milk. And some lady was like, excuse me. And like, she literally pushed me over. I was like, I'm still in the middle of getting this. Like, you know, but like, you just got to also have, give them grace. Mm -hmm. We don't know what they're dealing with. Just let them go. Don't sweat the small stuff. Where do you get your resilience from, Lori? (laughs) Oh, it's not really something I've ever really thought about. I think you can't go through an experience like we've gone through without being grateful of what you have right now. So every morning I wake up, I turn to my boyfriend and I say to him, I'm like, we woke up today. How are we going to make today great? And the first thing we do is we get out in nature. We take a walk down to the waterfront and we just get present to the fact that we're alive and we have an opportunity to be of service to others and and to really be true to ourselves. And standing there, there's no other way to be
0: what an incredibly wonderful way to wake up in the morning and say, Hey, I'm alive. And how do I make it a great day? And then of course you have the, uh, the benefit of palm trees and
1: <laughs> in, in Sarasota. <laughs> and again, that was a choice, right? Cause we were in Nashville and we were very happy in Nashville, but you know, life, life happens to you. And there's sometimes you cannot avoid whatever's coming your way. And for us that it, What we couldn't avoid was a tornado taking our building, right? And so we were homeless and we were trying to find a new place to live. We had a really big struggle around it. And we always said we wanted palm trees. So I looked at Dan and I was like, how about some palm trees? And we just took the actions to make it happen. And while everybody's hunkering down, because it was at the start of COVID, we're literally renting a a moving truck and just being completely unreasonable and just (laughs) filling up our truck. And, you know, I found us an apartment sight unseen and we were here within probably a week and a half of being like, let's just do it. And it's just your house gets blown away. mm -hmm.
0: A tornado. And that's in March of 2020. March 2nd of 2020. And a few weeks later, you you've made the call to to move to palm
1: trees. Yeah, we were here by we were here. By April 15th, we had our plan and then we couldn't execute until April 30th because the apartment wasn't available. But yeah.
0: So you totally live your values. You talked about live courageously and that's what, what you did in that moment.
1: Yeah. I really believe there's no other way to live because otherwise, how are you living? Right? Like we all are afraid to take that first step. We didn't know when we got here, what it was going to be like. And we were like, and we kind of looked at each other we're like, if we hate it, we'll move somewhere else. Like life doesn't have to be stagnant. It's not. I think if I learned anything out of this whole process is like, just don't take things so seriously. It's fine. It's fine. And just follow your heart and just keep moving forward, right? You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. And sometimes like indecision, fear brings indecision and indecision is also a choice of not choosing. I'm not deciding. And so for me, I just keep moving forward. That's my decision in my life. I can almost see you wear that T-shirt saying moving forward. (laughs) I should make one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The bucket list
0: items. What, Mm -hmm. what, What do you see for yourself in the future?
1: You know, I've been really blessed that because I have taken on creating my own life now for quite some time you know, I used to have a big home and I used to have the fancy cars and I used to have all this stuff that I recognized quickly didn't matter. And I think that's why when, when cancer happened to me, I've already had that realization earlier on in life. So it wasn't as traumatizing for then for some people. Right. But my bucket list now is really staying as healthy as I possibly can, making the right choices getting out in nature, exercising, eating right. Like I'm in love right now that the fact that I live in a tropical environment where I could get fresh fruits and vegetables every day, you know, and that works with who I want to be, right? Like that's in alignment with my plan. The other thing that we talk about in our personally, where we want to go is we, we honestly keep talking about every day. And that's why we walk to a marina every day of what it would be like to live on a boat, right? Like our our next step is we want a houseboat. We want to go and be able to just pull anchor and just go and sail off to another place where we haven't discovered yet. We also want to keep community around. So, you know, having all of our family and friends that we'd love, still be in contact with them. I have a lot of different countries that I haven't visited. So that's definitely on my list, especially now with 2020. We usually have... Four trips planned a year. Wow. We literally maneuver and and move and shake and figure out a way on how we can do that. And so 2020 has been a year of hunkering uh, down. Yeah, we got one trip in. We had just gone to Ireland right before the tornado and before COVID. So that's and that's kind of why I think the boat life will really work for us because we we love traveling. And then for being of service to other people. I just want to get my message out there is, and that's why I'm so honored to be here today, just speaking with you and just sharing, you know, what I've learned throughout a really awful process. And and that like my, my vision is, and I say it all the time is that like, I'm like, I would love to be the next Rachel Hollis without the divorce. (laughs) right? (laughs) Like move over Rachel, I'm coming, right? Like I would love to be able to share my knowledge and create, make a difference for people on, on a big scale. I would love that. There's nothing so more I'm that I would love. hearing
0: is uh, self-care. I'm hearing uh, travel and adventure. Yeah. Community, living your values and making a difference.
1: Making a difference always, every day.
0: Absolutely love that. You know, it has been such a joy and pleasure to have this conversation with you, Lori. I um, I feel really privileged that you brought us into your life. Yeah. And for those of you who would like to learn more about Lori and uh, to be in touch with her, you can find her on Lori Marini. And that's M-A-R-I-N-I, LoriMarini.com. Lori, What does hope mean to you? This podcast is called Choosing Hope. What does hope mean to you?
1: Hope, oh, what a great question. Hope for me is always finding the positive in everything. Find the happiness, look for the good, find the gratitude. And, you know, it may not look the way that you want it to, but find the good in it. Yeah. Do
0: you know what really resonated for me when you said that? Mm-hmm. I love how you made hope an active tense. So it's not about having hope. It's about choosing hope and finding hope in, in everything you do. And, and that just was beautifully said.
1: Thank Any you. last words, Lori? You know, I heard this the other day. It's not mine, but I don't remember how it, who I heard it from. But if anybody remembers anything from what we talked about today is that health is a state of body. And wellness is a state of being mm. where, where your actions are in alignment with your true self and where you want to go and who you want to become. Hmm. And I that's, that's that. my new life mantra, right? Like I, it resonates so much with me. It's about I, being, it's about your being. And who do you want to be for the world? Is like what I say to, to everyone, like if you can choose any way to be, who do you want to be? Like what, if today was your last day on earth, like what do you want your legacy to be? How do you want to be remembered? And I think living there, there's no other way but to have hope and to see the beauty that's around us and the beauty in people. There's so much hatred right now that we need to find the good. We need to find the helpers and we need to unite. We need to keep all the people that are there to do good in the world, like we need to keep them moving forward and not not quieted, not silenced.
0: Those are universal messages for a troubling time. Yeah. That's a great way to end. Thank you so, so much, Lori. It has been a joy having you.
1: Thank you so much. The honor was truly mine.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you like what you heard, click the subscribe button to listen to more episodes. And if you are an ordinary person doing extraordinary things and want to be a guest on this show, message me on my Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feed. In the meantime, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, choose hope. Hope is the spark that ignites us to move forward and make things happen.